1: Welcome, welcome everyone. I have a very, very special guest for you today. And let me just share a little bit about my guest and then I'll introduce you to him. So he has been through, he was actually a real estate investor for the past two decades. And he had a 3mm business that was wiped out by by Hurricane Katrina 14 years ago. While rebuilding his business in a a different city, the global financial crisis occurred. Ooh, we know how that went. That led him down a path as a whistleblower and an accidental litigator. He lived to tell about it and has finished his book, Recounting Lessons Learned, after 25 years in the trenches. Prior to his full-time investing, he was a deep-sea diver. He worked in the Gulf of Mexico and completed two marathons and sailed across the Atlantic Ocean. Woo, did a lot of things. So everyone, welcome Todd Whistleberger. So Todd, welcome today. And I would love for you to start with the experience of what Hurricane Katrina was like for you. What, what, What happened at that moment that Hurricane Katrina hit? Sure, Donna. It was it was
2: it was surreal. Obviously, it was unexpected, and I wasn't from there. I grew up on the East Coast, so I didn't have the same kind of perception about that it couldn't be really bad. Because a lot of people that are local there just said, "We'll go evacuate to a hotel," and we figured, you know, what's the worst could happen? We've lived through other hurricanes. i i when I used to work in the oil field, I've, I've been through storms. We have insurance, and so we evacuated like a lot of people did. And what we didn't expect was that after the hurricane and we came back to meet all the insurance adjusters, because we were real estate investors, obviously, that a lot of the insurance companies wouldn't pay the fair damage claims. That was one thing we had not planned on. And that was finished through a whole, whole, done a whole path that, that kind of led to the venture you were talking about.
1: Right. So before we go on to that experience, because I definitely know that that was a big part of why you're doing what you're doing, but tell us where were you at when hurricane Katrina hit?
2: Well, it's, it's ironic. We, we might've gotten stuck. You know, It's funny you said, but tell us about the story. We almost got stuck there. We, it was a Saturday morning. If people they're from, or, or from there, remember it, the storm changed directions. It was supposed to go to Mississippi and overnight it changed directions. And literally that morning, we were supposed to go meet an attorney to turn over one of our, we were doing condo conversion, turn over the condo project and we saw people lining up for gas. And that's always a sign, obviously. And if you wait to if anybody that's been you know Texas, Louisiana, Florida, if you wait till they call a state of emergency, it's like mass panic, oh, so yeah. right, so we saw like, ask, you know what? this is not good, and literally that as fate would have it. My wife and I we didn't have kids then. You know what I called the attorney, canceled the meeting, back to our house, grabbed our cat and dog, didn't even board up our house till we you know you board up your house. We just left, and like thank God we left because if we had stayed. Even another hour or two longer, we could have gotten stuck like everyone else. And um, we so were on you I-10, ran Yeah,
1: home, You got your dog, you got your cat. Did you grab anything else at that moment?
2: Nope, nothing.
0: Got in the car. Just, so just a
1: dog and cat and, and your kid. You, you did say your kid, right? Well, we didn't have kids then. We didn't have children oh, you did. then. Okay. Yeah. So then you just rushed out and you, I'm guessing, went and filled up your tank and got out, like just totally took off out of, out of there.
2: Exactly. Didn't even board up the house. We just left, and um, thank God we did because if we'd have been stuck, who knows what could have, you know, knows what happened after that.
1: Terrible. So you were okay because you made it through that. Now take us as you're going back to see the damage of what happened, or are you seeing the damage on TV?
2: Well, saw on TV. I evacuated to Maryland, where I'm from, and and I was. It was you know, we had friends that had stayed, and you know, you wonder what happened to everybody and. So we watched it on TV and we couldn't go back because, you know, the city was underwater for about three weeks. And we finally flew back to Louisiana to meet all the insurance adjusters. My wife did, I did, and my father-in-law who invested with us. And it was just bizarre flying into New Orleans International, all the, the they call them the Katrina tarps. All these roofs were covered with blue tarps. And it was the most bizarre, it was like a sea of blue flying into the airport. Um, yeah.
1: So you get back into town and obviously you're going to see how your house if it's or do you at that point know that it's already
2: no idea underwater yeah, you don't know what you're gonna find you don't,
1: okay, so you're heading back and you find your house and tell us what you find
2: sure yeah it was it was anybody that was down there actually, I had a friend of mine, a good friend of mine I went to high school with it was um he worked for the Baltimore city police department he was he was sent down there because they were trained in hazardous materials, and a lot of stuff you saw on t v is is even see with a lot of stuff that really went on. And there was a lot of death and destruction. And it just, it was amazing. I was telling you before about, uh, there was martial law and the whole entire city was just eerily quiet. And we were out meeting an adjuster in like the seventh ward, I think. Everything was brown, covered in mud. There's boats in the middle of the road. You got Humvees rolling. It literally had to be off the street at 5 p.m. And if you weren't, like, like they literally could just scoop you up and throw you at FEMA camp. And oh. it was the most bizarre, like I couldn't
1: describe it. Like it was
2: indescribable.
1: So you're probably in shock at this point.
2: Yes, it was very surreal. Like we saw somebody riding by on a on a beach cruiser, like in the middle of nowhere, just riding by on a bike, and then two minutes later you see a Humvee roll by with guys with, you know, you know, automatic weapons and then get off the street and, and you <laughs> wow. it's and not not a soul in sight. It was eerily quiet. There was nothing, nothing there. And and Everything was like I said was brown. Everything's covered in mud. And and um, you know the bizarre thing too, Donna, is we saw packs of wild dogs like they were someone's pet just running in packs, like you'd see a oh. German shepherd. oh, oh right? To talk about heartbreaking. I would Oh, gone.
1: that's terrible. I and feel so bad for those poor dogs.
2: Who know what they went through, right? And,
1: right, right. Um, oh. So you get back, you obviously see all the mud. So is your house completely just covered in mud?
2: Wow. No, we, we were lucky in our, our house, we live in Algiers Point across in the French Quarter and it was on a natural high ground of the Mississippi. So it was actually a couple of roof shingles got torn off. But other than that, believe it or not, it was, it was the, the properties around the natural levee um, mm-hmm. were fine. It was where the levee um, broke that a lot of stuff we had in the middle of New Orleans. New Orleans is like a big bowl. It's like a big swamp. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff we had around parts now were just wiped out, either leveled by the winds or flooded, collapsed. Yeah, it was, it was a mix, but our own personal house, would, oddly enough, wasn't even that uh, damaged.
1: Okay, so, but your property, your other properties that you own were. Is that what oh, you're Yeah,
2: we had, I think we had 18, we had a, we had a ton of rental, we had about 70 rental units, we had three condo, two condo conversions, we were in the middle of when we started. So, we had about 18 multi property claims. A lot of our properties oh. were on, yeah, multiple properties on one policy. So, we had 18 different claims across like 30 different properties.
1: So where do you even start at that
2: point? Yeah, so you you think, you know, this is not to bore you with it, but you think you people who have never been through this and probably in my lifetime I'll never go through it again. You make the insurance claims. Right? Yeah. And and we met the insurance adjusters and what we didn't expect was a lot of them, some of them paid the, the claims, but but in a, in a situation like that, people flock to those storms like contractors do. So all of a sudden a rule that might cost five thousand, now cost ten thousand. Oh, and yeah. right. And their price bad. gouging, yeah, and, and the insurance companies wouldn't pay what the market rate was, so we were stuck with all these properties where we couldn't get the insurance claims paid, and we're just writing checks every month to the bank on vacant damaged properties, and the insurance companies wouldn't pay, so.
1: Wow, so now what happens? I mean, you're you're having a hard time getting any money out of it, or at least enough to take care of what you need to, and you're losing money, obviously, because you're just you're paying out more and nothing's coming in, obviously, because you don't have all those renters and, you know, it's not all rented out now. So,
2: what you Yeah, doing? we did what we could. We, we burned through, I was telling you um, before, we, we burned through about almost $300,000 and just writing checks and vacant properties, burned through all of our savings. And we, we brought guys from Maryland down to New Orleans. Like we did everything we could, mobilize people from out of state to try to get these projects done and get the banks paid back. And we did everything we could until, until the condo market died out and the, the money ran out. And yeah, we did what we could until it, we couldn't anymore.
1: So the money runs out. Now what do you do?
2: Yeah, so that's when I, I had to learn how to do workouts. I never learned, knew what a loan modification was before. I never had financial issues. And So what I found out is a lot of the banks had no interest in working with us. They said, sorry, you know, just... just paying the mortgage every month. We don't care if you're not getting insurance claims paid. And so we had to do learn to do workouts. And I got really good at doing workouts all of our own properties. And that kind of led to, this was about a year, it took, almost took two and a half years. My, my wife to handle getting all the claims paid. And that's when the financial crisis happened in 08. So
1: what is a workout
2: you we had to do? Yeah, basically a workout is, is when you, you, know, you owe the bank money and you can't pay it anymore. And you have to basically rewrite the terms of the loan. And we had a lot of loans that were, they were paid. You know, we had one condo project. We paid down from the 1.2 million down to 550 and the condo market dried out. And we told the bank, Hey, we got a buyer buy her at 550 or 450. And they said, no, we won't take a hundred thousand dollar loss. You got to pay the whole loan. Well, a year later, they sold that condo project at auction, for hundred thousand oh, dollars. So it was so corrupt. That and, is
0: so sad. Well,
2: oh and yeah, and I know they sold it to Boudreaux's cousin at the bank. It was a total inside job. And, and that's when I started learning about some of the, the stuff the banks were doing. And that led me down that path that we had talked about before. So.
1: Okay. So now let's talk about that. So what it, what are you finding out at this point?
2: Yeah. So, so when I was doing the loan mods, you know, doing loan mods for other people, I got really good at it. And people came to us. I started a loan modification business after the market crash in 08. And I have a finance background and I figured out that the banks really didn't want to do loan mods. They really actually made more, I'm not going to get into this technical part, but it's called net present value. Anybody with a finance background understands that you see what the asset's worth today as opposed to later. And the banks actually made more money for closing. So finding that out, I'm like, wait a minute, they really don't want to do loan mods. Everybody talks about they lose my paperwork and this happens and they really made more money for closing, and i that took me down a very deep path of finding out about all the the securities fraud, the mortgage fraud, remick fraud, all this stuff that the Wall Street was doing that nobody really knew about and i just I get sucked down that path and started started exposing it
1: okay so so now you're finding out all of this, and you're wanting to you you said you become a whistleblower so does that mean you're calling them out and you're like saying, "Hey, this is not right"? Yes, yes.
2: And I started out initially litigating, seeing basically finding out. And it's it's so complex, Donna. It's it's yeah. I was, you know the ten thousand hours you talk about, Malcolm Gladwell talks about. I probably had twenty thousand hours understanding all this, and I had to learn. Right. I didn't know this. I didn't. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to law school. But I had to learn you know securities law and, and tax law and trust law and commercial law. And, rules of procedure in, in state court, federal court, bankruptcy court. And I, I knew nothing about any of this. And, but the more I learned, I said, well, I'm going to go to the authorities. And I, I went to the FBI. I went to the IRS, uh, SEC, and nobody really cared. Like they, they said, you know, can't help you. We don't see any, any crimes here. And, and I started learning very, very quickly, like a lot of the and I'm not going to make implications, but a lot of the people that work in those positions, it's a revolving door, especially the SEC they don't want to go bite the hand that feeds them because a lot of people that leave those agencies and I'm going to work in private practice. So it's kind of like the status quo.
0: Mm.
1: So how did you like pull yourself where you were to where you are now? Cause now you're, you're doing pretty good. Aren't you in your financial life?
2: (laughs) Yeah, we we came back around and then pretty, I'll I'll be very, very, you know, brief that I, I went down a very deep path exposing a lot of this and I, I, you know, got a tax for it. I people come after me. Banks did, attorneys did. You know, I got thrown in jail for contempt. You know, judges threatened me with sanctions. Thrown
1: judges.
2: in jail? <laughs> yeah. You know, you never. Yeah, it's that's a whole different topic. But wow. I mean, the more the more I exposed, I didn't realize how much the banks kind of run things, and I had no idea. I'm I'm going against like multi-billion-dollar banks here, and um, so anyway, about four or five years ago, a, a good friend of mine who's a former assistant state attorney said, "You know what?" He said they're going to take you out. You're going to have a heart attack and the stress? And so I, I kind of smartened up and that's how I started buying the debt. I said, well, you know, if I can't beat the banks and expose all this to the public, I'll just be the bank myself. And so I started buying non-performing loans, doing my own workouts, keeping people in their houses. You can do it in 10 minutes. It's not that hard. And that kind of led me kind of coming full circle back into the real estate game again by being a lender myself and doing all my own workouts with the notes that I bought.
1: Okay. but But you're doing it. I'm guessing you're doing it a different way because you want to change the way they do it in the, <laughs> the banks. Am I correct?
2: Yes. And if anybody listening to this is a, you know has ever you know, been through foreclosure or any of that, you know financial issues, and we we deal with it now. We have a lot of distressed homeowners, and I you know get to that in a second. But we deal with this now. And I can't tell you times I've tried to buy the note on a homeowner that's in foreclosure, and they won't sell it to you. And and they, the reason they won't is because they have to. Complete the foreclosure, to longer the note. There's so much more complexity. The, the foreclosure is just the, the tip of the iceberg. It's it's all the finance arrangements behind it that they don't want exposed. And so when I do a workout, if I was if you were in distress and I bought bought your loan, I say, hey, Donna, do you want to keep your house? Yes. You okay. What do you have coming in? What do you have going out? What's left over? Can you afford it? Done. We can we can do a workout in 10 minutes. It's not that hard. Wow. Amazing. I love
1: that. So so you're actually helping people stay in their homes instead of having them foreclosed, the bank taking it and then selling it for way less. Of course they come out okay, but sounds like the the individuals don't. So I love that you've turned such a bad thing into something positive that you can do as an individual. Maybe you can't change the banks, you can't change what has happened or what they're still maybe doing, but you can. Make a difference.
2: Yes, yeah, and and that's that's kind of I think one of the messages here too because you know my wife thank God she indulged me during all that because I went down a very very deep path. Now I went, went to I was litigating all over the country. I went I went to Panama. You know, I mean I went to a foreign country to try to expose this. And I was doing stuff most people in the country one had no no idea about. And like I was I was exposing things nobody wanted exposed. And and the better I got, the more I realized like it's like the definition of insanity, right? You just keep doing yeah. the same thing expecting yeah. a different result, right? And it was a very scary time. I, had, you know, young kids at the time, and yeah, you know, we get the crazy phone calls in the middle of the night, the threats, and all that kind of stuff. But this was the way, in my way, of like saying, you know what? I can't change that, but I can do this, and this is how I can kind of continue down that path of what I was trying to do in the first place. Does that make sense?
1: Uh huh. Yeah. No. Totally. So now you have your own company that you're actually helping. These are you in a certain area, or do you work on all all over the? U.S.
2: or all over the world. Yeah, well, pretty much, pretty much in the U.S. And when I fell back into buying notes, like we end up having get, having to take properties back sometimes because sometimes homeowners you'd buy a note by a default loan and you couldn't find them. We would do all the best, and, and unfortunately, you have to finish getting the property back because they they disappeared. You can't find them. They don't want to do a workout. They they abandoned uh-huh. the property. So since I have construction development background, we started saying, well, we got these properties, we're getting back let's just fix them up. And so I started doing them in multiple states, but we primarily do a lot of our rehab and development work in Baltimore and DC, but we're in about eight different markets buying and selling houses. And so we're, we're like I said about, I think we're probably going to be in 10 markets by like June of next year, probably.
1: Wow. That's awesome. So I love that. So if somebody was wanting to, so you're like the, you're like the bank, am I correct?
2: And some degree, when we're buying loans, yes, we're the bank. We're essentially if 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 you just like when you sell a car, you sign, you flip the title over, you sign the title over. The same uh-huh. thing as sell, selling a loan. You're, you're I'm, I'm two or three people down the food chain of buying a loan that was might have been originated ten years ago.
1: Okay, so you're buying the loans from the bank, and then you're are you buying them um, for these individuals that have these homes? I, I just want to kind of well, clarify
2: that. Yeah, good 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 question. I I wish it was always that easy, but there there's a There's this kind of Chinese wall where the banks don't want the homeowners to know they could buy their own loan because if they could and they could buy it at a discount, they don't want the world knowing that there's people like, I'm kind of like the fox in the hen house. I'm probably (laughs) going to, anybody anybody listening to this podcast that is in that world is going to go, oh my God, like, why is he telling people this? (laughs) (laughs) If if, if, if homeowners knew that they could buy their note Uh and, and people knew that, the bank might sell me your the note on your house at a at a fifty percent discount. And the homeowner might go, "Why can't I do that?" Right? Right.
1: Right. <laughs> so, but, but you're saying they really can't. Well, well,
2: the banks won't let you, and they, right. they they have they have to they have to keep. And remember the stuff that I was involved in. A buddy of mine that went to to Wharton, he was a very smart finance guy. Worked for the New York State Pension Fund. He said, Todd, he goes, "What you're doing, it's called enterprise risk. Like you're looking like the stuff you're doing could break down the whole system, and they can't have that."
1: right so, so they're they're not going to want or let that happen so yeah right okay so if someone was to want to work with you do you work with only your buildings or your contracts that you purchased or do you actually work with individuals say someone is in a financial stress and they're in a disaster or something like that. That happened. Can they contact you and you know maybe work something out with you?
2: Of course. And we and we're actually ironic. You asked that we're um, starting. We're setting up a nonprofit as well um, to do a lot of what we're doing on the nonprofit side. and I love that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so so we always encourage people to you know reach out to us. And and what we and I have you know a group of people I work with, and we always try to leave somebody. If somebody called us. We had somebody call yesterday and said, hey. I like get the situation, we actually tried to buy the note from the bank. We couldn't. It's probably going to go to foreclosure. We're going to try to help them, you know, work something out with the bank. We'll try to at least point people in the right direction. We can't help everyone, mm-hmm. but we'll, I feel like we're the best conduit to try to at least get people some straight answers about what your options are and so you can make an informed decision.
1: I love um, that. I love that. So awesome. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this really important message that, that we really these are the things that we don't hear about you know because there are things that they don't want you to know about so for those that maybe are in a situation that you know their home is in foreclosure or, or about to go in foreclosure i should say and they are in desperate need of some help how could they get a hold of you
2: sure a couple of different ways i don't know if i want to inundate my my email box with <laughs> emails but, but we have a, a couple different websites. I guess they could go to webuymdproperties.com. It's we buy an MD from Maryland, webuymdproperties.com. There's a form there they can fill out on the, on the landing page. And they could also, if they want, I'll give my office line out. My office line is 410-878-7966. And uh, I'll, I'll forward that all year. I'll pick up the call myself or um, get a message and I have one of my assistants pick it up.
1: Very cool. So we will make sure. Can you say that one more time, the website and the number?
2: Sure. It's it's we it's we is W-E and then the buy B U Y M D for Maryland, MDproperties.com. We buy mdproperties.com. There's a form to fill out on there. And also the phone number is 878 7966
1: Okay, perfect. Todd, thank you so much for bringing hope to those that might be in a very hard situation or a disaster. I mean, we know we're still having lots of disasters that are here and there, and we we don't we don't know when the next one might be. And so, those that might be in that situation and need some help or at least some answers it sounds like you would be willing to help them to find those answers. And I love that you have a nonprofit as well to help people that are going through this difficult time. Cause sometimes we just need someone to talk to, to say, what are my options? What can I do? You know, it's not an easy thing to go through and I'm grateful that you and your wife and your, your dog and cat made it through. Okay. But I know there was a lot that didn't. And so you know, I'm. I feel bad for those people, and I hope that that this gives somebody hope to know that there are some different ways that we can go about it without having to comply to what the banks are are kind of telling us. This is our only option. There are sometimes other options.
2: It, yes, and the, the part of the thought is if we can help relieve some of that stress, that's the biggest thing because the, the you know food food clothing and shelter, your home is like a, has a, there's so many psychological triggers with that, right? and And if we can help alleviate some of that stress and at least kind of help point people in the right direction, that's I feel like that's the, my, my gift or we can give back Because I've been through a lot of that stuff myself, and I, you know my personal stress is what can be. so
1: perfect. perfect. Is there anything else you want to add before we're done today?
2: No, I just hope this is helpful. And, and Donna, thank you. You have a great podcast.
1: I, oh, thank great. you so much. And I love that we can bring hope to those that might need it. And if you're listening and you have a situation, please reach out to Todd. And I'll make sure I post his link so that uh, those of you that didn't get that on the live, that you can go and connect to him. If you have any questions or anything that you need to talk about or have answers to sounds like Todd will be able to help you out. And Todd, thank you again for being a part of our podcast today. Thank you, Donna. You're welcome. This is Donna Gammon and this is power to grow.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow.